0: As someone who's been through the ups and downs of a weight loss journey, I understand the frustrations. Counting calories while pushing through workouts, it's exhausting. That's why if I had the opportunity to try Body, I'd be all in. Why? Because Body offers access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market alongside personalized lifestyle changes. And as I'm quite a homebody, I love how you can sign up online. So no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Go to roe.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and 145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's R-O dot C-O slash snoozecast. Hi, it's V. Isn't it funny, not funny, when it's both hard to fall asleep and also hard to get out of bed in the morning? This is where BetterHelp Online Counseling comes to the rescue. Connect with your professional counselor from your cozy bed. Get help on your own time and at your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp offers affordable and unlimited mental health care, and Snoozecast listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code SNOOZCAST. If you sign up through our link, you support the work that goes into making our show. So why not get started tonight? Press pause or make a reminder to check it out tomorrow. Go to betterhelp.com slash snoozecast. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and start communicating in under 24 hours. That's betterhelp.com slash snoozecast. Now, on to the show. supported by homemade ice cream. Tonight, we'll read the fifth chapter of Little Women by American author Louisa May Alcott, published in 1868, titled Being Neighborly. Following the lives of the four March sisters, Meg, Jo, Beth, and Amy, the novel details their passage from childhood to womanhood and is loosely based on the author and her sisters. In the previous chapter, Burdens, the holidays are over, and the girls return to their work and to the burdens of their life. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. What in the world are you going to do now, Joe? asked Meg one snowy afternoon as her sister came tramping through the hall in rubber boots, old sack, and hood with a broom in one hand and a shovel in the other. Going out for exercise? answered Joe with a mischievous twinkle in her eyes. I should think two long walks this morning would have been enough. It's cold and dull out and I advise you to stay warm and dry by the fire as I do," said Meg with a shiver. Never take advice. Can't keep still all day, and not being a pussycat, I don't like to doze by the fire. I like adventures, and I'm going to find some. Meg went back to toast her feet and read Ivanhoe, and Joe began to dig paths with great energy. The snow was light, and with her broom she soon swept a path all round the garden for Beth to walk in when the sun came out and the invalid dolls needed air. Now the garden separated the march's house from that of Mr. Lawrence. Both stood in a suburb of the city, which was still quite country-like, with groves and lawns, large gardens, and quiet streets. A low hedge parted The two estates. On one side was an old brown house, looking rather bare and shabby, robbed of the vines that in summer covered its walls and the flowers which then surrounded it. On the other side was a stately stone mansion, plainly betokening every sort of comfort and luxury, from the big coach house and well-kept grounds to the conservatory and the glimpses of lovely things one caught between the rich curtains. Yet it seemed a lonely, lifeless sort of house, for no children frolicked on the lawn, no motherly face ever smiled at the windows, and few people went in and out except the old gentleman and his grandson. To Joe's lively fancy, this fine house seemed a kind of enchanted place full of splendors and delights, which no one enjoyed. She had long wanted to behold these hidden glories and to know the Lawrence boy, who looked as if he would like to be known, if he only knew how to begin. Since the party, she had been more eager than ever and had planned many ways of making friends with him, but he had not been seen lately and Joe began to think he had gone away when she one day spied a brown face at an upper window, looking wistfully down into their garden where Beth and Amy were snowballing one another. That boy is suffering for society and fun, she said to herself. His grandpa does not know what's good for him. It keeps him shut up all alone. He needs a party of jolly boys to play with or somebody young and lively. I have a great mind to go over and tell the old gentleman so. The idea amused Joe, who liked to do daring things and was always scandalizing Meg by her queer performances. The plan of going over was not forgotten. And when the snowy afternoon came, Joe resolved to try what could be done. She saw Mr. Lawrence drive off and then sallied out to dig her way down to the hedge where she paused and took a survey. All quiet, curtains down at the lower windows, servants out of sight, and nothing human visible, but a curly black head leaning on a thin hand at the upper window. There he is, thought Joe. Poor boy, all alone and sick this dismal day. It's a shame. I'll toss up a snowball and make him look out and then say a kind word to him. Up went a handful of soft snow, and the head turned at once, showing a face which lost its listless look in a minute, as the big eyes brightened and the mouth began to smile. Jo nodded and laughed, and flourished her broom as she called out, How do you do? Are you sick? Laurie opened the window, and croaked out as hoarsely as a raven. Better, thank you. I've had a bad cold and been shut up a week. I'm sorry. What do you amuse yourself with, then? Nothing. It's dull as tombs up here. Don't you read? Not much. They won't let me. Can't somebody read to you? Grandpa does sometimes, but my books don't interest him, and I hate to ask Brooke all the time. Have someone come and see you, then? There isn't anyone I'd like to see. Boys make such a row, and my head is weak. Isn't there some nice girl who'd read and amuse you? Girls are quiet and like to play nurse. Don't know any. You know us, began Joe, then laughed and stopped. So I do. Will you come, please? cried Lori. I'm not quiet and nice, but I'll come if Mother will let me. I'll go ask her, shut the window like a good boy, and wait till I come. With that, Joe shouldered her broom and marched into the house, wondering what they would all say to her. Laurie was in a flutter of excitement at the idea of having company, and flew about to get ready, for, as Mrs. March said, he was a little gentleman, and did honor to the coming guest by brushing his curly pate." putting on a fresh color, and trying to tidy up the room, which in spite of half a dozen servants, was anything but neat. Presently, there came a loud ring, then a decided voice, asking for Mr. Lori, and a surprised-looking servant came running up to announce a young lady. All right, show her up, it's Miss Jo, said Lori, going to the door of his little parlor to meet joe who appeared looking rosy and quite at her ease with a covered dish in one hand and beth's three kittens in the other here i am bag and baggage she said briskly mother sent her love and was glad if i could do anything for you meg wanted me to bring some of her blancmange. she makes it very nicely and beth thought her cats would be comforting I knew you'd laugh at them, but I couldn't refuse. She was so anxious to do something. It so happened that Beth's funny loan was just the thing, for in laughing over the kits, Laurie forgot his bashfulness and grew sociable at once. That looks too pretty to eat, he said, smiling with pleasure, as Joe uncovered the dish and showed the blancmange. Surrounded by a garland of green leaves and the scarlet flowers of Amy's pet geranium. It isn't anything, only they all felt kindly and wanted to show it. Tell the girl to put it away for your tea. It's so simple you can eat it. And being soft, it'll slip down without hurting your sore throat. What a cozy room this is. It might be if it were kept nice, but the maids are lazy and I don't know how to make them mind. It worries me, though. I'll write it up in two minutes, for it only needs to have the hearth brushed, so, and the things made straight on the mantelpiece, so, and the book's put here, and the bottle's there, and your sofa turned from the light, and the pillows plumped up a bit. Now then, you're fixed. And so he was, for, as she laughed and talked, Joe had whisked things into place and given quite a different air to the room. Laurie watched her in respectful silence, and when she beckoned him to his sofa, he sat down with a sigh of satisfaction, saying gratefully, How kind you are! Yes, that's what it wanted. Now please take the big chair and let me do something to amuse my company. "'No, I came to amuse you. Shall I read aloud?' And Joe looked affectionately toward some inviting books nearby. "'Thank you. I've read all those, and if you don't mind, I'd rather talk,' answered Laurie. "'Not a bit. I'll talk all day if you'll only set me going. Beth says I never know when to stop.' "'Is Beth the rosy one?' who stays at home good deal and sometimes goes out with a little basket?" asked Lori with interest. Yes, that's Beth. She's my girl and a regular good one she is too. The pretty one is Meg and the curly haired one is Amy, I believe. How did you find that out? Lori colored up but answered frankly, why, you see I often hear you calling to one another And when I'm alone up here, I can't help looking over at your house. You always seem to be having such good times. I beg your pardon for being so rude, but sometimes you forget to put down the curtain at the window where the flowers are. And when the lamps are lighted, it's like looking at a picture to see the fire and you all around the table with your mother. Her face is right opposite "'and it looks so sweet behind the flowers. "'I can't help but watch it. "'I haven't got any mother, you know.' "'And Lori poked the fire "'to hide a little twitching of the lips "'that he could not control. "'The solitary, hungry look in his eyes "'went straight to Joe's warm heart. "'She had been so simply taught "'that there was no nonsense in her head and at 15, she was as innocent and frank as any child. Lori was sick and lonely, and feeling how rich she was in home and happiness, she gladly tried to share it with him. Her face was very friendly, and her sharp voice, unusually gentle as she said, We'll never draw that curtain anymore, and I give you leave to look as much as you'd like. I just wish, though instead of peeping, you'd come over and see us. Mother is so splendid. She'd do you heaps of good. And Beth would sing to you if I begged her to, and Amy would dance. Meg and I would make you laugh over our funny stage properties, and we'd have jolly times. Wouldn't your grandpa let you? I think he would, if your mother asked him. He's very kind though he doesn't look so. And he lets me do what I like, pretty much. Only he's afraid I might be a bother to strangers, began Lori, brightening more and more. We're not strangers, we're neighbors, and you needn't think you'd be bothered. We want to know you, and I've been trying to do it for ever so long. We haven't been here a great while, you know, but, "'We've all got acquainted with all our neighbors but you. "'You see, Grandpa lives among his books "'and doesn't mind much what happens outside. "'Mr. Brooke, my tutor, doesn't stay here, you know, "'and I have no one to go about with me, "'so I just stop at home and get on as I can. "'That's bad. "'You ought to make an effort "'and go visiting everywhere you are asked. "'Then you'll have plenty of friends.' and pleasant places to go to. Never mind being bashful. It won't last long if you keep going. Lori turned red again, but wasn't offended at being accused of bashfulness, for there was so much goodwill in Joe, it was impossible not to take her blunt speeches as kindly as they were meant. Do you like your school? Asked the boy, changing the subject after a little pause, during which he stared at the fire, and Joe looked about her, well-pleased. Don't go to school. I'm a businessman. Girl, I I mean. I go to wait on my great-aunt, and a dear cross old soul she is, too, answered Joe. Lori opened his mouth to ask another question, but remembering just in time, that it wasn't manners to make too many inquiries into people's affairs. He shut it again and looked uncomfortable. Joe liked his good breeding and didn't mind having a laugh at Aunt March, so she gave him a lively description of the fidgety old lady, her fat poodle, the parrot that talked Spanish, and the library where she reveled. Lori enjoyed that immensely. And when she told about the prim old gentleman who came once to woo Aunt March, and in the middle of a fine speech, how Pole had tweaked his wig off to his great dismay, the boy lay back and laughed till the tears ran down his cheeks and a maid popped her head in to see what was the matter. Oh, that does me no end of good. Tell on, please, he said, taking his face out of the sofa cushion, red and shining with merriment. Much elated with her success, Jo did tell on, all about their plays and plans, their hopes and fears for father, and the most interesting events of the little world in which the sisters lived. Then they got to talking about books, and to Jo's delight, she found that Lori loved them as well as she did and had read even more than herself if you like them so much come down and see ours grandfather is out so you needn't be afraid said lori getting up i'm not afraid of anything returned joe with a toss of the head i don't believe you are exclaimed the boy looking at her with much admiration though he privately thought she would have good reason to be a trifle afraid of the old gentleman if she met him in some of his moods. The atmosphere of the whole house being summer-like, Lori led the way from room to room, letting Joe stop to examine whatever struck her fancy. And so, at last they came to the library, where she clapped her hands and pranced, as she always did when especially delighted. It was lined with books and there were pictures and statues and distracting little cabinets full of coins and curiosities and sleepy hollow chairs and queer tables and bronzes and best of all, a great open fireplace with quaint tiles all round it. What richness, sighed Joe, sinking into the depth of the velour chair and gazing about her with an intense air of satisfaction. Theodore Lawrence, you ought to be the happiest boy in the world, she added impressively. A fellow can't live on books, said Laurie, shaking his head as he perched on a table opposite. Before he could say more, a bell rang and Joe flew up exclaiming with alarm, "'Mercy me! It's your grandpa!' "'Well, what if it is?' "'You are not afraid of anything, you know,' returned the boy, looking wicked. "'I think I am a little bit afraid of him, but I don't know why I should be. Marmee said I might come, and I don't think you're any the worse for it,' said Jo, composing herself, though she kept her eyes on the door." I'm a great deal better for it and ever so much obliged I'm only afraid you're very tired of talking to me it was so pleasant I couldn't bear to stop said Lori gratefully the doctor to see you sir and the maid beckoned as she spoke would you mind if I left you for a minute I suppose I must see him said Lori don't mind me I'm happy as a cricket here, answered Joe. Lori went away and his guest amused herself in her own way. She was standing before a fine portrait of the old gentleman when the door opened again and without turning, she said decidedly, I'm sure now that I shouldn't be afraid of him for he's got kind eyes, though his mouth is grim and he looks as if he had a tremendous will of his own. He isn't as handsome as my grandfather, but I like him. Thank you, ma'am, said a gruff voice behind her, and there, to her great dismay, stood old Mr. Lawrence. Poor Jo blushed till she couldn't blush any redder, and her heart began to beat uncomfortably fast as she thought what she had said. For a minute, a wild desire to run away possessed her, but that was cowardly and the girls would laugh at her. So she resolved to stay and get out of the scrape as she could. A second look showed her that the living eyes under the bushy eyebrows were kinder even than the painted ones and there was a sly twinkle in them which lessened her fear a good deal. The gruff voice was gruffer than ever as the old gentleman said abruptly, After the dreadful pause So you're not afraid of me, eh? Not much, sir And you don't think me as handsome as your grandfather? Not quite, sir And I've got a tremendous will, have I? I only said I thought so But you like me in spite of it Yes, I do, sir that answer pleased the old gentleman. He gave a short laugh, shook hands with her, and putting his finger under her chin, turned up her face, examined it gravely, and let it go, saying with a nod, you've got your grandfather's spirit, if you have not his face. He was a fine man, my dear, but what is better, he was a brave and an honest one and I was proud to be his friend. Thank you, sir. And Joe was quite comfortable after that, for it suited her exactly. What have you been doing to this boy of mine, eh? Was the next question, sharply put. Only trying to be neighborly, sir. And Joe told how her visit came about. You think he needs cheering up a bit, do you? Yes, sir. He seems a little lonely, and young folks would do him good, perhaps. We're only girls, but we should be glad to help him if we would, for we don't forget the splendid Christmas present you sent us, Joe said eagerly. Tut, 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 that was the boy's affair. How is the poor woman? Doing nicely, sir. And off went Joe, talking very fast, as she told all about the Hummels in whom her mother had interested richer friends than they were. Just her father's way of doing good. I shall come and see your mother some fine day. Tell her so. There's a tea bell. We have it early on the boy's account. Come down and go on being neighborly. If you'd like to have me, sir. Shouldn't ask you if I didn't. And Mr. Lawrence offered her his arm with old-fashioned courtesy. What would Meg say about this, thought Joe, as she was marched away, while her eyes danced with fun as she imagined herself telling the story at home. Hey, why, what the dickens has come to the fellow, said the old gentleman, as Laurie came running downstairs and brought up with a start of surprise at the astounding sight of Joe arm in arm with his redoubtable grandfather I-, I didn't know you'd come sir he began as joe gave him a triumphant little glance that's evident by the way you racket downstairs come to your tea sir and behave like a gentleman and having pulled the boy's hair by way of a caress mr lawrence walked on while Laurie went through a series of comic evolutions behind their backs, which nearly produced an explosion of laughter from Joe. The old gentleman did not say much as he drank his four cups of tea, but he watched the young people, who soon chatted away like old friends, and the change in his grandson did not escape him. There was color, light, and life in the boy's face now vivacity in his manner, and genuine merriment in his laugh. She's right, the lad is lonely. I'll see what these little girls can do for him, thought Mr. Lawrence, as he looked and listened. He liked Joe, for her odd, blunt way suited him, and she seemed to understand the boy almost as well as if she had been one herself. If the Lawrences had been what Jim called prim and pokey, she would not have got on at all, for such people always made her shy and awkward. But finding them free and easy, she was so herself and made a good impression. When they rose, she proposed to go, but Lori said he had something more to show her and took her away to the conservatory, which had been lighted for her benefit. It seemed quite fairy-like to Joe, and she went up and down the walks, enjoying the blooming walls on either side, the soft light, the damp, sweet air, and the wonderful vines and trees that hung about her, while her new friend cut the finest flowers till his hands were full. Then he tied them up, saying, with the happy look Joe liked to see, please, Give these to your mother and tell her i like the medicine she sent me very much they found mr lawrence standing before the fire in the great drawing room but joe's attention was entirely absorbed by the grand piano which stood open do you play she asked turning to laurie with a respectful expression sometimes he answered modestly please do now i want to hear it so i can tell beth won't you first i don't know how too stupid to learn but i love music dearly so laurie played and joe listened with her nose luxuriously buried in heliotrope and tea roses her respect and regard for the lawrence boy increased very much for he played remarkably well and didn't put on any airs. She wished Beth could hear him, but she did not say so, only praised him till he was quite abashed, and his grandfather came to the rescue. That'll do, that'll do, young lady. Too many sugar plums are not good for him. His music isn't bad, but I hope he'll do as well in more important things. Going well. I'm much obliged, and I hope you'll come again. My respects to your mother. Good night, Dr. Joe. He shook hands kindly, but looked as if something did not please him. When they got into the hall, Joe asked Lori if she had said something amiss. He shook his head. No, it was me. He doesn't like to hear me play. Why not? I'll tell you some day. John is going home with you, as I can't. Oh, no need of that. I'm not a young lady, and it's only a step. Take care of yourself, won't you? Yes, but you'll come again, I hope. If you promise to come and see us after you're well, I will. Good night, Laurie. Good night, Joe. Good night. When all the afternoon's adventures had been told, the family felt inclined to go visiting in a body, for each found something very attractive in the big house on the other side of the hedge. Mrs. March wanted to talk of her father with the old man who had not forgotten him. Meg longed to walk in the conservatory. Beth sighed for the grand piano and Amy was eager to see the fine pictures and statues. Mother, why didn't Mr. Lawrence like to have Laurie play? asked Joe, who was of an inquiring disposition. I'm not sure, but I think it was because his son, Laurie's father, married an Italian lady, a musician, which displeased the old man who was very proud. The lady was good and lovely and accomplished, but he did not like her and never saw his son after he married. They both died when Lori was a little child, and then his grandfather took him home. I fancy the boy who was born in Italy is not very strong and the old man is afraid of losing him, which makes him so careful. Lori comes naturally by his love of music For he is like his mother, and I dare say his grandfather fears that he may want to be a musician. At any rate, his skill reminds him of the woman he did not like, and so he glowered, as Joe said. Dear me, how romantic! exclaimed Meg. How silly! said Joe. Let him be a musician if he wants to and not plague his life out sending him to college when he hates to go. That's why he has such handsome black eyes and pretty manners, I suppose. Italians are always nice, said Meg, who was a little sentimental. What do you know about his eyes and his manners? You never spoke to him, hardly, cried Joe, who was not sentimental. I saw him at the party and what you tell shows that he knows how to behave. That was a nice little speech about the medicine mother gave him. He meant the blancmange, I suppose. How stupid you are, child. He meant you, of course. Did he? And Jo opened her eyes as if it had never occurred to her before. I never saw such a girl. You don't know a compliment when you get it, said Meg with the air of a young lady who knew all about the matter. I think they are great nonsense, and I'll thank you not to be silly and spoil my fun. Laurie's a nice boy and I like him, and I won't have any sentimental stuff about compliments and such rubbish. We'll all be good to him because he hasn't got any mother, and he may come over and see us, mayn't he, Marmee?" Yes, Joe, your little friend is very welcome. And I hope Meg will remember that children should be children as long as they can. I don't call myself a child and I'm not in my teens yet, observed Amy. What do you say, Beth? I was thinking about our pilgrim's progress answered Beth, who had not heard a word, how we got out of the slough and through the wicket gate by resolving to be good and up the steep hill by trying and that maybe the house over there, full of splendid things, is going to be our palace beautiful. We have got to get by the lions first, said Jo, as if she rather liked the prospect.